Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. We've been looking at and studying in the last two weeks principles about hearing God. And some people have no issues about, yeah, they hear God. God clearly, and they're sure it's him, and sometimes I've questioned what it was when I was told the experience, but, uh, and then other people talking ab- about that they never hear God, and we've looked at all the principles that Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, so, and that it's done in actually, in the Greek, it's done in the imperative tense, it's a command, it's a command that they will hear his voice, so the the emphasis with that coming that it's not a rule, but the emphasis coming is God speaks to his people. And uh, in, the, in the principles of hearing God, the first principle with that is God primarily speaks to us through his word. And so there's not this mandate that you read your Bible every day. I've had people tell me, yeah, it's nothing like that. But I will tell you this, if you want to hear God, read your Bible every day. You know, it's not going to determine certain things about your life, and it is going to determine certain other things. But here's a point. You will hear God so clearly, and that faith gets built up in your heart. And that faith comes by hearing, to be able to hear. And the hearing comes through the Word of God. Now, that's both the written Word and the living Word that dwells in us. Second principle is that, do you hear God with a teachable heart? What does that mean? Well, a lot of times we only want to hear what we want God to tell us. So we tell God what we want him to say to us so that we can hear it and say it was God. We, we really do. We kind of have a tendency to lean towards that. Even when we're praying about if it be your will, we tend to put our will onto God and ask it to be his will to give it back to us as his will. And it's, it's a strange thing. Really, the teachable hearts is open to hear what God has to say and how he says it and the way he says it and not looking for him to say it the way we mandate it. The third principle I want to talk about, and we'll go through this today, is it's really a word that's uh, often associated with criticism, and in this sense it's not but it's discernment, being able to discern how God speaks. Because if you don't know how God speaks, you won't position yourself to listen. Your ears aren't going to be attentive to it. And there's lots of ways that are clear throughout the Word of God uh, in how to discern. Was that God? Um, There's so many times in my life, you know, from a child speaking to me, um, to even fishing buddies who said some stuff, and I thought they were really wacko, you know. And they would talk to me, and by golly, it was God. And uh, that took a lot of discernment on my part. And uh, never mind, that was a private joke. That was called clothesline preaching, and it was for the people who could hear it. 
discerning God's voice. Listen to this passage in Job. Job is, a, by the way, a complete study in itself. Everybody looks at the, at the story of Job and the book of Job to learn how to suffer. That's not how to study Job. I don't want to learn how to suffer. I suffer. I don't have to learn about it. Matter of fact, I don't want anything to do with it. So a lot of times people don't read the book of Job because they think it's too harsh. But Job is filled with actually the interactions of how God speaks and how people respond in their hearts to what he's saying and doing. Because God speaks pretty loud with his, what he does. So this is from Job 33. He says, verse 14, For God may speak in one way, or in another, yet man does not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men while slumbering on their beds, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction. Now, it doesn't mean he just speaks to them through dreams. What he's saying is, look, um, the way I read this is the funny thing about God is he knows he's God. He doesn't have any doubt. God doesn't have a doubt about his voice. Uh, if you read Psalm 29, the voice of the Lord thunders in the wilderness. It shakes it. It's heard in many waters. So God isn't like, huh, what do I have to do so they listen to me? My goodness, he sent his son. What a megaphone to a dying world. He sent his son to speak to us. We'll look at that closer later. Um, look, go, to, go to the next slide. That is the next slide? Okay, let's read it together. This is Hebrews 1. By the way, it really throws me to not have my clicker, so you guys be patient with me. Uh, I may have a Brandon moment here. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets... So the writer of Hebrews, which I believe was Paul, is talking about, look, this is the way you used to listen for the voice of God to discern it, was through the prophets. He says, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. To discern the voice of God actually isn't complex, and it's not simple. But the best picture of it is to see Jesus. The, Jesus is the word. Jesus is the voice of God to us. It's factual and it's reasonable. It's spiritual and it's experiential. Now, a lot of people say, well, I had a spiritual experience. You know, I'm a human being having spiritual experiences. Actually, you're a spiritual being having human experiences. Your human experience is an interaction with God. Your, this is the thing. God is God and you are not. Now, Jesus lives in me, the hope of glory. It's, I mean, that's phenomenal when you think about it. Because it's real hard that God can be someplace there. So Paul says, lift your eyes to heaven and see him seated. And he's also here because he lives in men's hearts. And those are a factual thing that you have to bring together and go that God's never, 
ever. You know, so often when we think of heaven, we see God as being far away. No, God is near you. As a matter of fact, the word says the word is near you, even in your mouth. God dwells here. And so there's lots of ways that he speaks to us. So the word discern, let's look at it. It's defined this, this way. It's interesting. The dictionary says to, to detect with the eyes. Can, can you see what I'm saying? That's what that means. To detect with the senses other than vision means to, to, uh, to know, to have an understanding, to recognize or identify as separate and, and distinct, to come to know or recognize mentally. So we're always talking about this spiritual experience, but when you really look at it, God's working with the way you think. He wants to interact with you think. Do you think well? You know, there's a, in, in my days when it was back in the hippie days, there was this wonderful poster. I so enjoyed it for so many years, but it's a picture of a big fat yellow cat playing a guitar on one of those stools. And he's sitting there playing the guitar, and the caption with it, it's like a meme from years ago, only we called them posters back then. <laughs> and on this poster, it says, Sometimes I sits and thinks, and sometimes I just sits. Oh, yeah. Well, God wants you to engage in your thought life with him so that your discernment becomes true and becomes sharp and becomes familiar in your life so that you're not just sitting and not doing anything, that you're sitting and thinking. There isn't any... Uh, so I have to tell on myself, I went back up to Iowa this past week, says I just needed to be with my brother and I just needed to be with the river. And the river speaks loudly inside of my soul. From the time I dip my toes in it, picking up crawdads, right, right now to the end, a river runs through me. And I just needed to be with my brother. And the, the whole idea of just sitting there and I have the river, because there's not too many people that go out in it during the week. It's mostly just a herd of bovine out there, you know. Um, it's, you get out there and you can just go, <sighs> and God speaks so clearly. And I open my eyes and there's a, a small flock of cedar wax wings in a down tree. And they're interacting with each other. Or I see a herd of wild turkey, a flock of wild turkey. And, or you see a deer, and you, and you interact, or the eagle's sitting on the stump of an old tree, gazing out over what he deems as his property, and it probably is. And uh, so I got out there, and I got to tell you what, it was so sweet, and this was not... This was God, and it was God speaking to me, but it was, had to have been through people. So I get out on the river first time, I get, you know, and I'm in this little dinghy of a boat because the river's real low right now. And I get settled in, and I get the anchor rope going, and it's going, you know, it gets real tight, and it almost is making noise. It's so tight because the current's swift. And all of a sudden, I hear this native flute start going. 
And I go, what? And I mean, I got goosebumps, and it was just, it was wonderful and a little unnerving all at the same time because I kept going, is that that rope that's humming? And put my hand on it, and it kept going, and it lasted for about two and a half minutes, and just this, I don't know if you know what a cedar flute sounds like. Um, it was just, I started crying. And then I went, that's got to be somebody that lives up on the high bank someplace, you know, people on the hill. It's got to be coming from their house or something. I don't know if it was or whether I just got to hear it. I don't have anything to prove or disprove. All I know is it was like this. From God, I heard him in it. I heard him in the native flute. And it, it's just like in someone passing. It's like what the urbans are going through. You could hear God. You could hear him in that flute sound. And he was just assuring me it's going to be okay. And then he had, I got you, buddy. You're going to be okay. I got you. For each of us, he's got you. Let your ear hear that. Let it discern what's going on. The way God speaks, I want to read a story to you. It's from the New, New Covenant, and it's from the Gospel of Luke. And I didn't put it up there because I want you instead just to hear it this morning as we, as we go through this. Because it's such a picture of, of our life in Christ and, and what we go through with our interaction with God. And you probably know it well. It's called the Emmaus Road Experience. So this is Luke 24. This is after Jesus has died and his disciples are in some disarray and two of his disciples are walking down the road. So now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had just happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. This is, this is a resurrected Christ, and he drew near. There's such comfort in that to walk with them. And he, but their eyes, their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. He walked with them for three and a half years. They camped overnight. These are guys out in the wilderness. They heard him snore. They listened for every, every word that came out of his mouth. They tried to get the, to be the one that was closest to him sitting around a campfire in the evening and did it for a long time. You know how hard it would be to camp for three and a half years? Think through that. To have to depend fully on God for provision, even water. They're in a desert wilderness. Even water was hard to come by. Their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are so sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? 
And he said to them, what things? If you think God doesn't have a like wry sense of humor, it's just like, he's, he's got the best sense of humor ever. So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death. They crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things have happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Then he said to them, Ah, oh, you foolish kids. Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Wouldn't you have loved to heard that sermon? Jesus saying to this, they were speaking of me. I fulfilled all this. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they, uh, they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. Then they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour, went back and returned to Jerusalem. They didn't even stay at the inn. They got a... Yeah. And found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together and saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told him about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. How was it? How could they have known? They camped with him for three and a half years. They watched him take the bread for the evening meal. How many times, how many different days, and break it and say, here, take, eat, and serve them. That was where they found him, in doing the very normal things that they were involved in, in their life and in his life and their lives together with him. They understood it to be him because it was. They didn't have any doubt after that. Didn't our hearts burn within us? Discerning God's voice, your heart burns within you. You know. And yet, it's just so natural, it's like eating bread. It's just like eating bread. I like toast. 
I like to just have a slice of toast in the morning. Sometimes I put jam on it. Sometimes it's just butter. And it just feels just right. It's nothing special. It's just bread. But it reminds me so often that he's the bread of life. And that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that we're to interact with him in that way, in the natural of just having a slice of toast. God can speak to your heart. When you're in turmoil and pain and sorrowful, God can speak to your heart. Go have a slice of toast with him. He'll speak to you about who he is, how it happens. Is it really a voice? Well, let's look at it, because this experience, I would tell you, God often, this is, this is really key to get out of this, God often shows up in a way that we at first don't recognize him, but you will. You will. Sometimes that's terrifying. It is a, by the way, that was a horrible misrepresentation of Scripture from the old days, but it, it says it's a, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Uh, the Puritan turned it into, you know, Jonathan Edwards turned it into a great sermon that's used as an essay now in literature, but it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. It doesn't say angry, it says living. It's such a misapplication of who he is and the discernment of what he's like. Who am I to criticize Jonathan Edwards? I'm sure he had many, many, many more great sermons that I could even scratch the surface of. Nevertheless, I don't like that book. The ways that God speaks. Let's go to the next slide. He did it. Look at the written word. And the reason I don't have anything up there is we went through this, this the past couple of weeks. Hearing God's voice through the written word is sometimes the clearest way to hear him. It's the clearest way. It's the most common way. You know, we have something today that is so phenomenal. Because when you think about this, for the first 1,500 years of Christianity, nobody had walked around with the Bible. Matter of fact, most, matter of fact, everybody probably sitting in this room would have never been educated and wouldn't know of how to read if you were living in the 14th century. Because you're not of noble birth. And people who weren't of noble birth didn't learn to read and write. Yet the living word spread through the common folk. How is that possible? And God... In his, in his word, they would hear uh, maybe a monk share a little piece of it as he was sharing a meal with them. And he would say, the scripture says this. And then they would ask him questions. What does that mean? You know, we always think of it just being in a huge cathedral. Most churches were just like this. They were a small group of people and, and some friar who was assigned to that area went around and visited different small groups of people. And then he would explain to them who God is. And it spread. Oh my, it spread. We wouldn't be here had that not occurred. I think the primary means that God speaks to any believer today 
is the written word, and he makes his will known through his written word. Hebrews 4, and this is a, when it says the word, this is one of the things that I've really learned to, to study out over the past 10 years especially. But when in the new covenant, most of the time when it's referring to the word, it's referring to Jesus. Most of the times. There's a few places where it's referring to scripture, and it says that, knowing that. But like even here in Hebrews, in Hebrews 4, it, it says this. I'll read, I don't have it up here. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I was always taught that that was talking about scripture. That's talking about the living word. In you, that's where he lives. The word of God in you is sharper than any two-edged sword. That's how it divides between soul and spirit. Now, I can use the written word, but it's the living word. And when it's the living word, he's referring to Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And Christ in you can sure bring discernment. You ever been in bad situations where you went, I don't know if I should do that. Guess what? God calling. It wasn't just you suddenly getting smarter or you being afraid of doing something wrong. That's the living words inside of you can discern between soul and spirit. Go, no. You You have to embrace. I tell you what, before you fully understand the yes of God, you have to embrace the no of God. Because we're children, we're learning. You learned just like children learn to talk. And then there were certain things on the coffee table that they weren't supposed to touch. And our command to them was, no. The living word inside of you. There's nothing wrong with being told no. You're not second class if you get a no. Matter of fact, you're probably first class. Because he's being very protective and very loving. Nothing wrong with the know of God. The second way that God speaks to us is through dreams and visions. Some of this you have to be very careful of because dreaming is symbolic. It's metaphorical. Something can stand for something else. It can mean something. And I've seen uh, dreams made more of than what they were. And I've seen dreams that were made not enough of what they were. Uh, visions. Some people have had visions. Some people haven't. Those who have aren't more special than those who haven't. How come God chooses to speak through some people through visions? I don't know. Maybe there's hard of hearing. Maybe they got to see it. But it's quite simple. This is, you know, have you ever had that? Yes. Was it profound? Yes. Did it change your life? Yes. And not all of it turned out like I thought it was going to. But it was still profound and still engaging. Acts 2, uh, 17 speaks of it, and it's quoting Joel 2. It shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour my spirit out on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour my spirit out in those days. The writers of Acts use that very verse to describe what's going on in the upper room experience. 
that God's spirit is being poured forth and they remember the scripture. And uh, it's very interesting in Genesis when we see the life of Abraham and it, it's really, you know, he's called the father of faith. And I think I said this last week. I'm not sure that very many believers today would stay in faith if God only spoke to them five times their whole life. That's what he did with Abraham that we get to know of. So you see five interactions, and it's really interesting because it says, like in Genesis 46, it says, and God spoke to, uh, spoke to Abraham through a vision. He spoke to him through something he was seeing. So he was both enacting everything in his no, he was seeing it and he was hearing it. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's truly amazing, and I don't know how many of you dream, and uh, I've had so many people through the years because I was in church leadership and involved with charismatic church, they wanted to come and tell me a dream to interpret their dream for them, and I'm not a dream interpreter. I, I understand the dreams that I get, but I'm not, I'm not, you know, and some of that has gotten really strange through the years of people telling other people what their dreams mean. You know, if the Lord gave you a dream, I'm pretty sure he can tell you what it means. He'll give you discernment. If it's supposed to be and it's important, he'll give you discernment. And you can study typology in the word to understand that. God speaks through metaphor quite loudly. Quite loudly. And, and even with, with visions. Let's go to the next slide. Another way is the audible voice of God. Um, one of the things with the audible voice of God that I will say about this is that through the teachings that came out of the 19th century and affected the church profoundly um, through the, the, I guess you would call it the theology of dispensationalism, they tried to say that God doesn't speak that way anymore. So they cut that one out because anybody who proclaimed to hear the audible voice of God, that set them up in a hierarchy of being similar to what, uh, what an apostle was. And so the church in general and those who followed dispensationalism said, no, that time's over and God doesn't speak that way. And they used scripture to support that. That's baloney. Listen to... <laughs> God can speak however he wants. And if he wants to speak in an audible voice, just like when Jesus came up out of the water, some heard thunder. Others heard God's voice. So it's a discernment issue. But does it always have to be thunderous? No, God can speak in a whisper. And there is such a thing, beloved, as the audible voice of God outside of yourself that can speak to you. That normally is a very deep, life-changing experience. If you've ever heard God's audible voice, it will change your life. It will do it. And I'm suspicious when there's someone who says they hear that all the time because I think it's pretty rare. And it's supposed to be rare. Um, and it's scary. It's not commonplace. It's unusual. Very unusual. 
And if you've ever heard that, then all I would say is obey the word that's spoken to you. Because it's important if it came that way. Really, really, really important. I got to have that one time when I was much younger. Uh, and I will tell you, it, it was a life-changing experience. And I embraced things of what the voice told me to do. And it came to pass. So I, I know, I don't have to prove it to anybody. I have nothing left to prove. I have nothing left to prove. What he said came to pass in my life. And he invited me in to embrace something, and that was to watch my words. Isn't that interesting? But he can speak through an audible voice, and the word is filled with it. Uh, I've got Exodus 19 up there and uh, where it talks about when he's speaking, and God answers Moses uh, by voice. That means audible voice. That means Moses is speaking out loud. If you look at what, what the... Hebrew word means. It means out loud hear, hearing ear. The fourth one is the impressions and promptings and that's, that's also the internal voice that we call the voice of the Holy Spirit is inside of you and it is like the word of God. It's one of the most normal ways you hear him. When you become familiar with it and you're even addressing God. Do you, do you like address God out loud? Or do you do it internally quiet? Both? Do you ever pray out loud when you're alone? It's a really good thing to practice. It's a really good thing to practice. But most of the time, the answer that you hear when you're praying out loud is inside of you. And it feels like a prompting. And it also feels like a voice, and if you become familiar with it, you can discern between your conscience and that was the Lord. How? I don't know. It's spiritual. I cannot describe I can describe it to you, but I can't define it to you. Describing it is, huh, man, I think the Lord's saying to me, and there, here's how you get familiar with it. When that comes to pass, guess what? That was the Lord saying it to you. If it didn't come to pass, it doesn't mean that you missed it, you're totally gone, and now you may not get into heaven, and it's all lost, and who are you trying to fool? And stuff. That's just the tricksies of the enemy's voice, because he has a voice too. And, and in, can he speak inside of me even if I'm a believer? I don't know. What does it matter trying to figure out how? I just know that there's sometimes the devil lied to me. It almost always comes with accusation and deception because he's not really bright. And he's brilliant at the same time in how he attacks us. But he always uses the same two tactics, accusation and deception. Always. Don't ever receive that voice. I've heard people, well, he warned me against that group. Be very careful. Very careful with that. God doesn't warn against his children. He would go warn his children, but he doesn't warn, he doesn't accuse them. God loves you. Can you make a mistake? Yeah. Can I make a mistake as a church leader? Yeah. 
But do you think if I was purposing to make a mistake as church leaders and I would purposely hurt somebody that God would let me keep doing this? Or that I'm greater than the Lord, that I'm the one that decides that this is what I get to do with my life? And that I can do it however I want and if I do it wrong, nanny, nanny, boo-boo on you, I'm going to keep doing this anyway? I think God's bigger than that. And I've watched God remove people from leadership but don't believe every lying accusation that comes because you don't know the whole story. You definitely do not know the whole story, and God doesn't, just doesn't operate that way. But he does operate by impressions and promptings, his internal voice. We're going to stop here because I want to continue this, and there's about seven or eight more ways. That many? Yeah, he's big. God's really big. Just look at what it says in Romans 1. I'll start preaching again. In, you look at how God speaks in Romans 1 before Jesus comes, and he says he speaks through creation. The whole thing I talked about when we started about going up on the river, he speaks to me through a river, and the river flows. You know, and I, I, it is such a, a metaphor. You know, my, my brother's ashes were sprinkled in the river. I helped do it. That's my boys are under instruction of where to take my ashes. And I want them to be a part of that as well as heaven. Because it's the part that touched me metaphorically and opened my life up to God. Would you pray with me? I want you to hear this. You can hear God. If you love Jesus, you can hear God. Don't let the lying accusation come and say, no, I can't. That's a lie. My sheep hear my voice. God, I pray for each of us that your voice would be gentle and powerful. That your voice would lead and direct us in paths of righteousness for your namesake. That your voice would cause us to go through those wilderness times and suffering times. That your voice would be with us, not just as a comfort, but Jesus, you're the best friend I've ever known. Nobody talks to me like you talk to me. I pray that for everybody here, that that would be their testimony that nobody talks to me like Jesus talks to me, and that they could own it in their hearts and understand you, open up and sharpen each of our discernments this week, I pray, as we read your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you. Give you peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you love on each other as you go? God bless you. Sure. Um, this might just be for me, but it, it just, I can't, it, I can't seem to be letting, let go of about it. But in worship, when we were singing that song about singing of the goodness of God, I thought about all the times I've asked the Lord over the years, like, that verse in Psalm 23, goodness and mercy will follow us after us. 
And there have been so many times when it didn't feel, it didn't seem like that. And I would say to the Lord, you know, maybe I need to stop because if it's following after me, it doesn't feel like it's catching up with me, you know? And, and so what, what am I doing wrong, doing wrong, right? Um, and I just kept thinking, it does. I know your goodness and mercy follows after me. And just then you hear a teaching, like, goodness, pray that God's goodness and mercy will chase you down and take you over. And I keep thinking, I guess I just need to stop, you know? So today when we were singing, all of a sudden I got this new twist, this new insight that maybe goodness and mercy follows after us to clean up kind of the messes that we leave behind, you know? Because he promises Romans 8, 28, so that's what's for somebody today, that he is working everything together for good. And sometimes we might not see that goodness and mercy because he's coming after us and he somehow makes good out of this stuff that we don't see and he has mercy on us when we mess up you know in a relationship or whatever his cleanup like after a wreck when somebody comes into the highway and cleans that debris up so his goodness and mercy is following after us to change the things that kind of we leave in our wake just doing the best we can we're all just doing the best we can. I want the cleanup like men in black where they have the little flashy thing. <laughs> so you don't have to remember the mess ups anymore. Click that little flashy thing at me. <laughs> You're a good man. <laughs> You're just normal. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. God bless you. Be in the word this week. Amen.